Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast for two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Now, Madison, I'm going to introduce you as I always do, but I swear to God above, if the first words out of your mouth are Beetlejuice, 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 I quit the podcast. Madison Jones, are you in good form? It's showtime. Yeah, 50-50 of whether, which one I thought you were going to say. Uh, but I really <laughs> thought, given our past track record, I've been editing Small Soldiers like to kind of part the curtain a little bit this week. And, and it was the one where we, we opened with immediately just What's the thing that like? What's the thing from this movie? Halt! Who goes there, etc. So I yeah, I, you know what? The Beetlejuice didn't even think uh, the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice thing mm-hmm. didn't even come to my mind. But the animated series opening or whatever, and where he's where it says it he it's showtime, and then yeah, I would honestly, I was thinking about just that in general, and I it came to me like I wonder which one is the more like I think that's one where everybody has their own opinion. And the show, the the animated series actually lasted four seasons, which is pretty good for like a series that's spinned off of a movie that kind of like rejected the premise of the movie because Beetle, Beetlejuice and Lydia were like friends in the. Yeah, I, I did a little poking around in the Beetlejuice wiki when I was working uh, on a pitch and I was, I was reading some of the stuff of like how different Beetlejuice is in the show compared to the, the movie. Yeah, I bet the. Like I haven't seen the show in forever, like the the animated series, but yeah, I I don't actually remember too much from the show itself. Mm-hmm. I just remember that I did watch it. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember that I had seen it basically, but I couldn't tell you anything about the plot or of any episode. So if for some reason you haven't picked up on it yet, we're doing Beetlejuice this week. Yeah. Did you like this film, Madison? Yeah, it it's it's very much a nostalgia film. Mm-hmm. It, but one of those nostalgia films that I think actually like stays pretty solid throughout, like it's not one of those movies that I, I went back to and was like, oh man, that's actually not as good as I remember it. Kind of like Space Jam is. Space Jam isn't that great. Uh, That's the, that's fighting words. Space Jam is timeless and eternal. I never really watched this as a kid. I've, I wasn't, I never really watched Beetlejuice. And so one time I found it for like five bucks at Walmart. So I bought it and I watched it and I thought it was all right. I like it. I fluctuate. Like sometimes I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh yeah, like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And then sometimes I watch it and I think this isn't that great. Like it's okay. So I don't know. I'm back and forth on it a lot. I did forget a lot Mm -hmm. about this movie, I think, because it has been a while since I've watched it. The whole grotesque scenes from the beginning when uh, Adam and Barbara are trying to scare the family out of the house. Uh, that was something I did not remember seeing as a kid, which are pretty, pretty horrifying. Yeah, there's uh, there's some stuff in there that I did not get. Like, um, I didn't realize till this time that I watched it uh, that in the movie, if you commit suicide, that's why you like the people who are working, like the civil servants, are there because they committed suicide. And uh, Juno, their caseworker, when she's smoking, smoke is coming out of a slit in her neck. Which I never yeah. noticed before, and thought like, "Wow, I'm surprised at that." Well, yeah, the the receptionist like raises up her hands, and they're like slid oh, yeah. down, like the, her wrists are slit. Mm-hmm. Also, like a lot of the people in the afterlife are like have different colored skin for some reason. Yeah. Like those types of people, like for whatever reason. Yeah. 
I don't know what that was about. This is some good comedy that we're really bringing. <laughs> Talking yeah, about we're just like suicide and bureaucracy. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, that's what the movie did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a few reviews for you if you're interested. Um, yeah. I went I, on the hunch that I thought you would like this movie enough. I went for middling to bad reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all taken from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the first one is Ryan A, who gave it three and a half stars. What I got to say about Beetlejuice is that it is a great movie. <laughs> now in quotes, is, he's putting this in quotes. It's funny and you will be laughing because of humor in this movie, end quotes. The performances by the cast is really good. In quotes, Michael Keaton really nail it as the leading role, end quotes. The directing by Tim Burton is really good. The screenplay by Michael McDowell and Warren Scarin is so well written. The cinematography is fine. The score is scary good. The special effects are also good as well. In quotes, I'm raving that Beetlejuice is a great movie for all ages we can see, dot, dot, dot. For my opinion, it's a good comedy Halloween. Uh, why, there's a lot of quotes in there. Like, were, were all those sarcastic? Like, I don't know. Uh, Tim Burton so. is a great, a great director. I don't know. There's something like he just kept putting them in quotes, like weird shit in quotes. And it's funny and you will be laughing because of humor in this movie. It kind of sounds like it was written by that really intelligent computer that they use on Jeopardy sometimes uh, to play. Deep Blue? Maybe. Watson. Watson. Yeah. For his opinion, it's a good comedy Halloween. But it's actually like a good comedy Halloween movie. There at the very end, the full quote is... And this gets, we get into some like quote inception here because the word Beetlejuice in this quote also has quotes around. So is that double like ironic or like, or is that double like he doubly hates it or does it reverse and he actually likes the I don't Beetlejuice know. part? I'm raving that Beetlejuice is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> See? Oh no, I get it. Okay. I, I put the emphasis wrong, but I'm I'm gonna keep it. But I think what he's saying is I'm raving that Beetlejuice is a great movie for all ages can see. I just love I'm raving that Beetlejuice. Maybe he's actually a raven. Maybe he's the the third eyed raven or whatever it's fucking called yeah, in Game of Thrones. The thread uh the thread raven, Madison. Yeah. Well he does raving. And I don't think that that's I don't think Raven can be turned into a vowel by just raving. <laughs> Uh, all right, so this is Joseph M. He gave it two stars. This is a, this one's gonna be short and sweet. I just want your take on it. Okay. Whimsical, but not in a good way. <laughs> so what? What's like a just a hot take of how could it be whimsical in a bad way? In a way, in the Harry Potter books, mm-hmm. Dumbledore is whimsical, but not in a good way. I Some, feel like sometimes. that's its own entire Harry Potter fan podcast episode that yeah. you just opened up. <laughs> I would think more like. Like fairy tales, how fairies are okay. whimsical, but in a bad way. All right. But I think I think the Dumbledore one is much more interesting answer that we just don't have really the time to give. Maybe it's a bonus episode. We'll dig into my, your my hot take on Dumbledore. Your new uh, Dumbledore thesis. Yeah. Uh, Should we dig into Beetlejuice two pitches? Yeah. Uh, but before I do that, let me do a brief synopsis. Oh yeah, God! Every time I fucking forget the synopsis, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be really quick with it. So the movie kind of opens on this couple, uh, Barbara and Adam Matland. Maitland. Uh, Maitland. Is that how you say it? Like, I'm pretty sure. I think I think they say it in the movie a yeah. couple times, but yeah, Barbara and Adam Maitland, who are this couple who lives in this house on the hill that has been 
kind of specially decorated and made for them or like they've kept it in a certain way that they love it's very homey it's very kind of old-fashioned it's 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 nice and they're a pretty normal couple adam is played by alec baldwin and barbara is played by gina davis and they go to the store one day and their car while trying to swerve off the road to avoid hitting a dog uh, they crash off of a bridge more so they crash halfway off of a bridge and then the dog that they decided oh we don't want to hit that dog kind of kills them <laughs> you know unbeknownst to itself because like alec baldwin they see the dog he goes watch out for the dog and he grabs the wheel from the passenger and just spins it as far as he can to the side they're on a narrow road heading for a covered bridge and he's just like dog and fucking pulls that wheel as a, hard in, as he can like, in a very hilly area in connecticut yeah, I just, I just mean it was a very huge overreaction to... Yeah. Anyways, they die, and but they at first they don't know that they're dead. They're ghosts, and they end up back at their house, wondering, like, what's going on? And then a bunch of weird things start to happen. Uh, Alec Baldwin steps outside of the house and gets transported into this desert area where this huge sandworm is going around like the um the landscape and then comes back into the house and gene davis like you were gone for two hours and he's like i was gone for like maybe 30 seconds it's weird they then discover a book on like the table that says a handbook for the recently deceased and then that is when they realize that they are both dead and that they must spend the next 125 years in this place um, before that they can move on essentially mm -hmm. it's like everyone who dies i guess has this time to like that they have to spend 125 years haunting mm -hmm. a place before they can move on to the next life but since they are dead uh their house gets sold to this couple who has a daughter um they move there from new york city and the wife in the couple is an artist and a very modernist and completely redecorates the house the Maitlands don't like that. They try to haunt them out of the house, but it doesn't work because no one can see them except for Lydia, the daughter. And then they keep seeing these ads for this this person named how do you say it? It was Betelgeese. Betelgeese. Yeah, I mean it's on the cover of the box, Madison. Betelgeese. I know. Betelgeese, who will come to your house and get rid of the humans haunting or that are living in your space. They consider it, but then after talking to the one of the administrators in the afterlife, they decide not to take him up on his offer after they realize, after Juno's warning about Berugis being Juno's former assistant, and he's now a freelance bio-exorcist ghost. And eventually they do, uh, they do consider it, and they meet Berugis, but he quickly, like, offends them, and... They decide against it. Meanwhile, Lydia eventually meets the Matlins, and she's like the only person in the house that can see them. They befriend them, and meanwhile, Lydia's parents, um, particularly her dad, becomes enamored with the small town's charm and decides to that he thinks that this place should become a tourist spot. But his boss, Maxie Dean, 
says that it's only going to be a tourist hotspot if people can convince that this place has ghosts in it. So we need to do we need to convince people that it does. Uh, the family's friend Otho finds the handbook for the recently deceased and uses it to conduct what he thinks is a seance to summon ghosts to the place. Uh, he's actually performing an exorcism, and when he does that, uh, Adam and Barbara start to die. Horrified, Lydia summons Be- uh, Beetlejuice by saying Beetlejuice. I mean, that's a pretty wild pronunciation that you're yeah, putting on that. But I know. Beetlejuice for help. And he agrees, but only on the condition that Lydia marry him. Now, Lydia is like a teenager, and this is like kind of weird, but Beetlejuice wants to marry Lydia because somehow that makes lets him to freely cause chaos in the mortal realm. Mm-hmm. Beetlejuice saves the Matlins and scares Otho and Maxie away. And then there's a wedding scene where the Matlins intervene and... Uh, Barbara goes goes and gets the sandworm from the desert place mm-hmm. and rides it through the house and it eats Beetlejuice. Apparently, the desert place is Saturn, which I just picked up this last time watching it. Oh, yeah. They say, I mean, I'm not trying to correct you or like actually Madison. I think you'll find it. I was just saying like that's a thing. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize really that up until either. this time. At the end of the movie, the uh, Lydia's family and the Maitlands decide to live together in the house in harmony. A while the Matlins are spending their 125 years. Yeah, like the the Dietzes, Lydia's family, live in the attic, I guess? Mm-hmm. Or is it like a half and half share? Of, it seemed like they were living in the attic. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. It's kind of weird. But there's also a very famous scene at the end of it mm-hmm. where... The credits. The credits and the song Jump in the Line is playing as uh, Lydia is floating. What's a little of that? Give us a little flavor of that. Jump in line. Jump in line. Good job. Everybody, jump in line. (laughs) Jump in line. Jump in line. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. Is that it? Uh, Is that it? Basically, yeah. Cool. So, I'm going to... Have you go for if you're if you want to you can go first this week because I, I like I've, I referenced earlier I just finished editing Small Soldiers and I ended up going first then taking double duty I went first okay. twice in a row so if you'd like you can go okay first this time to put put things to right okay so um, I'll say the title at mine because it's not mm-hmm. really giving anything away sure. and it's just not the title may not really have anything to do with the pitch but it's a uh, it's there's not it's not Beetlejuice two colon mm-hmm. it's just Beetlejuice. Okay. So uh, we open on a moving van entering the town uh, from the first movie in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. We say Alex, a teenager, look out the window and raise a camera and take a picture. In the distance, we see the house. Alex is a very pale goth teen with dyed green hair. They wear a choker and they also wear like bracelets, like spike bracelets right. around yeah. their wrists. As they continue on, it seems like they're actually heading towards the house on the hill but they actually stop at a small townhouse towards the bottom of the hill. As they move boxes into the house, one of the movers knocks one of the boxes over, and a strange machine falls out. It is yellow, and it looks like a calculator with uh, far less buttons and a sphere attached to the top of it. The mover asks what it is, um, and Max's grandfather starts to beeline for the man uh, somewhat aggressively. But before uh, 
the grandfather makes it to uh, the man, uh, Max picks it up and nervously says, Oh, that's just my scientific calculator, and hides it away. The grandfather then approaches and tells the movers that their services are no longer needed, and he writes them a check. The movers say that they uh, can finish up if they want to, but the grandfather insists that they they leave and that they can handle the rest. Uh, In the next scene, it is revealed that uh, that thing that fell out of the box is actually an EMF meter um, used to uh, detect ghosts, and that the grandfather and Alex are in town for some searching for something specific, but not really. Sh- it's not really revealed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells Alex to leave him to his work, and then this causes Alex to explore the town and take pictures. And Alex eventually makes their way uh, to the house. In, in this scene where Alex and the grandfather are interacting, um, we get uh, a better look at the grandfather. Um, he is a shallow-faced man who is well-dressed in a deep blue pinstriped suit okay. and a blue tie and a uh, white shirt. His hair is long and ghost white and is tied into a braided ponytail that hangs down his back. He is also wearing a blue derby cap jesus christ yeah does he have a pocket square what color is the pocket square the pocket square would probably be the same color as the shirt because it's accented gotcha so white yeah white okay okay um or maybe, just... or maybe the mm-hmm. shirt is maybe more of a very light baby blue now his shoes are they black brown oxfords what's the um, if it's a blue suit it's going to be brown shoes okay i just like a darker brown yeah yeah, yeah. I just we're filling out the important details yeah. after all the deep character work you did on the suit. Yeah, that suit is the second build person on here. The first okay. one's Michael. The first one's Michael Keaton. Obviously. Michael Keaton, and then the suit. Then the suit as itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've heard the suit's writer is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's actually the suit from the movie My Favorite Martian with Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> There's a movie we should do. Yeah. In never mind. <laughs> I was gonna go in a deep, like a deep hole, my favorite Martian hole. I've never that seen we it. were never we were never gonna get out of. Um maybe we'll someday. do we'll do it as an episode. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um while taking photos of the house, Alex notices a figure in the window in the attic. Um and um as they are snapping a picture, uh they get confronted with Lydia. Winona Ryder's mm-hmm. character from the first movie, who is older at this point. Um, I actually don't think that this sequel would have been released like nowadays. It probably maybe like maybe like early two thousands or something. Okay. And uh, Lydia invites Alex into the house. It is in this scene that we get the big uh, info dump. On what's happened between the classic Madison Jones info dump. Yeah, there are a few in this one. Prepare, people. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now for the second act info dump. And now yeah. for the third act info dump. Yeah. So uh, Lydia has been living in the house left to her by her parents, who are now dead. Jeez. Okay. Um, with the house's history, uh, she was worried. Uh, when they died, that they too would haunt the house, um, like the Ma- Maitlands. 
do. Uh, mm-hmm. But luckily, in some some sort of luck, uh, her father died while at their beach house in North Carolina. Um, and her mother died after being crushed by one of her many sculptures at an art show she was hosting at the house. Um, ironically, the piece was called New Beginnings, and it now hangs in the attic. Um, where uh, Adam hangs in the attic. It hangs in the Alec from this attic. It hang. It hangs from Alec. <laughs> it hangs from Alec Baldwin. It's character the entire movie. <laughs> Just yeah. he's he. No, it hangs in the attic mm-hmm. uh, where Alec Baldwin's miniatures were oh, uh, okay. in the first the movie. Model. You know, yeah, the mm-hmm. models. It is a large turquoise cylinder. That has been secured to the ceiling. And in this room are actually all of Lydia's mother's art pieces. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a memorial somewhat room to her. Okay. Is she is she in the movie? Catherine O'Hare's character? You said in the house. Did you mean in that beach house in North Carolina or this oh, house? No, in this house. Okay. It's in okay. this house. Then yeah. I, that's, that's all I'm trying to... Uh, then you don't have to tell me if she's... You made a face like... That 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 might be something that comes up. So I'll, I'll let that lie. I'm just trying to understand yeah. the um, like what pieces are moved where yeah, in yeah. this info. So go ahead. Yeah. So listeners, I warned Mike that at the beginning, before we started recording, that this pitch is somewhat the metaphor I'm using for my pitch this time is like a mayonnaise sandwich, where there's a lot towards the front. There's one bread piece um, at the top, a bread piece at the bottom. And then just a thin layer of mayo in the center. The classic sandwich. The classic mayo sandwich (laughs) plotting structure. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just I'll give I'll give a little spoiler now. Mine's fucking weird. This week, y'all is (laughs) is a little uh wild. It's a little avant garde, they might say. Yeah, that's a better word for it. So while they're spending time together, uh um Alex and uh, Lydia bond over photography. Mm-hmm. And during this time, Alex meets the Maitlands, who are still in the house. Alex seems somewhat surprised by this, uh, but not as surprised as Lydia expects. Alex just generally feels like a very open person to the idea of the paranormal. Okay. Um, so it doesn't surprise them. Gee, I wonder why that could be. After the day is over, Lydia tells Alex that it's probably time to go home. But Alex says that they shouldn't because their grandpa, um, who Alex reveals is a paranormal investigator. (gasps) What? Yeah, because their grandpa is going to ask them what they did that day and that Alex is a horrible liar, that the grandpa always knows when Alex is lying about something. And Alex doesn't want to have their grandpa find out about um, this place because of the Maitlands and what he's going to do to them or he's going to bring people to this house or something. So she has Alex. uh, She tells Lydia that she should call her grandpa to tell her that she's staying the night because Lydia's daughter, which doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a lie, that Lydia's daughter and Alex kicked it off so that they're going to have a sleepover. Oh, okay. So uh, Lydia does this, and 
Uh, the grandpa accepts it. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever. And in the scene, he seems preoccupied. He's like looking at some sort of like data mm-hmm. or something. So here comes the mayo. <laughs> uh. Here comes that creamy, creamy white stuff. Oh, God. oh. What did you? So in this middle part, um, it's basically a night at the house. Okay. And during this time, Alex is hanging with Barbara and um, normally Barbara and and Adam are like always kind of like together, like traveling, like around the house Mm -hmm. together. But Alex wants to hang out with Barbara specifically alone for some reason. During this time, uh, they have this like conversation and they go back to find Adam, but they can't find Adam. Mm -hmm. And they ask Lydia if they've seen Adam and Lydia says no. Uh, they search the house. It's weird because literally Adam and Barbara can't leave the house, right. you know, <laughs> or they get transported to that sand place, which is Jupiter, apparently. Saturn. Or Saturn. Saturn. Sorry. I forgive you. Yeah. They search and search. And then eventually Lydia uh, searches the uh, basement and there she finds, um, she thinks she sees Beetlejuice mm-hmm. and she has like kind of a freak out a little bit. And then she looks and then she realizes that it's the grandpa who is holding a crystal. Okay. And the grandpa apologizes. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just looking for Alex. Uh, I was worried about them. And I was using my Alex, Alex seeking crystal. Yeah. Uh, Lydia asks what the crystal is. And he says that, oh, he's a paranormal investigator i'm sure alex has told you i use it to detect demonic energies and to tell you the truth i sense a lot of demonic energies here and she's like well i've lived here all my life so i don't really know anything about that i've never seen anything weird Uh, and then she leads him upstairs and into the room that alex and barbara and although barbara is seemingly not seeable Mm -hmm. to the grandpa Oh yeah, by the way, Alex can see the ghosts. Right. No, too. I know. Like I think I mean I think I already yeah, yeah, established yeah, yeah. that, did. but like like Lydia, Alex can see the mm-hmm. ghosts. And they're talking and they said, like, oh grant the grandpa's like, Oh, it seems like you're looking for someone. Who are you looking for? Where's uh where's your daughter? And it's like, Oh, that's who we were looking for. My daughter. And during this scene, Barbara realizes something about the crystal he's holding. Mm-hmm. And it is that inside of the crystal is Adam. Right. Adam has been sucked into this crystal, seemingly, his spirit. Mm -hmm. And she points that out to Alex and Lydia. And then Lydia's like, what? What are you talking about? And then Alex is like, like, that's just his demonic sensor crystal. And they go into it. Eventually, Lydia tries to grab it from him. And he pulls it away and pushes her back and says... They basically have this interaction, and more happens here. I don't know what, but this gets to the reveal of this story, mm-hmm. aka Info Dump Two. All right, Info Dump Two, Winter Soldier. Inter- yeah. So um, they have an altercation like this, and then Alex kind of pulls them apart. <laughs> what? And oh, 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 oh! I thought you said him pulls him apart. Like, Alex just starts, like, oh. dismembering their grandpa. That's the why grandpa. I was like, what? Yeah. And, like I said, the mayo. This is mayo. 
It's all right. Just got to keep chewing. Yeah. I guess maybe this is what we can talk about in my concept section is this reveal and how it will make sense. Okay. But Alex grabs the crystal from his grandpa. He says, Grandpa, stop. We should just show them. And then Alex and the grandpa, Alex and the grandpa, uh, they hug. And then this light glows around them. And they seemingly grow together. They start sticking together and forming into this blob that forms in the center of the room. And they, Lydia and Barbara get closer. The crystal is gone at this okay. point. It seemed to be consumed by whatever like ritual they used. Hugging. Hugging. Yeah. Um, during this ritual, this, whole, this crystal was glowing and then eventually like went away. Barbara goes like, what? And classic Barbara. Um, it forms into this like mound of like fleshy, like blood mess in the center. What the fuck? And <laughs> Lydia and Barbara get closer and closer and closer. And then two hands stick out of the blood mess, the blood mound, and rip open. And then we see Beetlejuice emerge from this this fleshy mound in the center and he says it's showtime what get ready for the info dump of my beetlejuice nightmare theory nightmare fuel so obviously this like horrifies both of them and everything yeah and me scene of them just every everyone listening and beetlejuice explains after the events of the first movie (laughs) Beetlejuice was tried in the ghost world for attempted transdimensional fuckery Um, and maybe something more PG-13 you can can say fuck once in a PG-13 movie that's true so that'll be it and and for trying to become an immortal spear in the mortal world Mm -hmm. basically which is a big no-no that can't happen Mm -hmm. Um, his punishment is not to have his soul banished um, but to literally have his soul torn apart into millions of pieces. Beetlejuice decides, fuck that. That's two. Rated R now. Yeah, shit. And attempts an escape, and he goes on the run in the ghost world. He hides in the ghost world and uh, ducking the ghost police and is almost caught when he gets transported into the mortal world by Lydia's father. He has... He is residing in his beach house in North Carolina, and he has decided that he doesn't like the living arrangement uh, that he has going on back in his home. He doesn't like living in the attic. He doesn't like this situation. He bought the house. It's his. Mm -hmm. And so he decides to go back on his promise um, and the deal he made with the Maitlands. And he wants Beetlejuice to get rid of them at any cost. Beetlejuice says, deal. And they shake on it. So real quick, this is this happening in the past? Yes. Okay. You, you mentioned you mentioned the dad in the beach house, and so I wasn't sure if this was happening in or whatever. Okay, so this is like a flashback to yeah. everyone's alive and in the attic, and he's making a deal. Yeah. With, okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm with you now. This is Beetlejuice having a very long monologue no, in the house. I just wanted to make sure happens. that it wasn't like yeah. recently the ghost of the dad was like, no, I want them out or whatever. Like it was, I'm just, no, no, no. Okay. No. Continue. He says deal and they shake on it. He Beetlejuice then possesses Lydia's dad, forcing 
Lydia's dad's soul out of his body, killing him instantly, as he said, what, at whatever cost. And it'd be really easy for him to go back to the, the house if he's in possession of the father's body okay. and for him to sneak in. So he's like, oh, yeah, sure. That, that fits this deal. So, and he has a bit of a revenge plot mm-hmm. because of Lydia basically fucked him over. Sure. So it's kind of a bait and switch. But the transdimensional disturbance <laughs> of Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the transdimensional disturbance. I love how specific you have so many things like the transdimensional disturbance, whatever. And then this is on the heels of a big pile of like fleshy bloody mound of gore like (laughs) (laughs) this transdimensional disturbance signals the ghost police who you gonna call ghost police and they show up at the beach house um and can easily discern uh because they're ghost police that um lydia's dad is actually possessed Mm -hmm. beetlejuice then retreats from the body and back into the ghost realm and hides until his name is eventually called again. And when he goes to the ghost realm, I imagine he is spending most of his time in the desert area, okay. like ducking the worm. Sure. And it's like a hellish time. like, And he spends years there or like a good amount of time there. Sure. This next time that he's called, it is by Lydia's mother. Okay. But she didn't mean to. Apparently her, her art career took a downturn after the first movie. Mostly because Otho, her friend Mm -hmm. or whatever, the guy who fucked up the seance Mm -hmm. thing, trashed his affiliation with her because of the embarrassment and horror he felt during the first movie. She intended to have a comeback show at her house entitled New Beginnings, but no one attended because of Otho's slander. Aloud, she curses Beetlejuice because she blames Beetlejuice for her downturn and her career because... Otho hates her because of that whole Mm -hmm. situation that happened. She is horrified when Beetlejuice comes back, and uh, she when she when he shows up, he attempts to run, but Beetlejuice is too quick and causes her newest work, New Beginnings, aka the huge turquoise cylinder, to fall on her, crushing her. The ghost police then come again, but this time they actually capture him. Okay. Info dump continued. Beetlejuice. <laughs> I like that this info dump is going on so long. You had to remind us that we're still in the info dump. We're we're you're still deep in it, guys. You're deep, deep, deep in that goopy, goopy sludge of an info dump that this that that, I, that is my pitch. I'm starting like your pitch is making me feel very ill. I'm sorry. Just with like the, the fleshy mounds with blood, the goopy, goopy mess of the info dump. <laughs> Beetlejuice is then subjected to the soul splitting, but he himself is a very powerful demon, I'd say, or mm-hmm. like spirit, and he struggles out of it after only being into split split into two souls. Caught off guard, he escapes again, both of the souls. But since his soul is is but since his soul is split, his previous like requirements to enter the mortal world are moot uh-huh and he can now enter at will because ghost science ghost science i actually have the quotes somehow <laughs> in quotes somehow i think like when they split i think there may be like little balls of light or maybe some like transparent smaller michael keaton's <laughs> i think you could do both little balls yeah. with trans smaller michael keaton's in them yeah so he escapes back down to earth 
and we see scenes where he actually possesses um, the teenager and the old man. And now they're working in tandem through, uh, he actually like does possess an actual paranormal investigator who researches ancient spells and crap. And that's how he learned the spell with the crystal. Okay. Jumping back into the actual story. Out of the info dump, guys. Oh. You're out of it. You made it through. Like, take a breath. Like Moses and the Jews <laughs> in the desert, we finally made it through the info dump. <laughs> After 40 days and 40 nights. So, back in the story, with Lydia face-to-face with the physical form that wants her dead, mm-hmm. she is overcome with fear and runs. She runs until she makes it to the attic and attempts to... Uh, she knows enough about like the ghost shit mm-hmm. because she's lived with the Maitlands for so long. She tries to draw a door like they did into like or the the ghost world. Um, and her her and Barbara are together and they're trying to do this because they're like, we don't know who can help us besides the people in the ghost world. But before Barbara can uh, do her third knock, Beetlejuice grabs her hand mm-hmm. and throws Lydia across the room. He then levitates the large cylinder art piece that um, is hanging in the attic amongst all of her mother's previous art pieces mm-hmm. and was used to kill her mother. Lydia is really dark. Like, <laughs> like she keeps the thing that like killed her mother and like kind of fits the tone of the movie, though, right? Yeah. Anyway, so he levitates it and he intends to crush Lydia with it, um, just like he did with uh, her mother. Mm-hmm. But before she does... Barbara um, tackles him or like averts his aim Mm -hmm. that he's aiming the thing with and causes the cylinder to break open against the wall. Beetlejuice pulls out another crystal and starts to chant the same spell that he used to uh, uh, suck Adam in. What's that spell? Just what, what, what's the chant? It's wop, bana, doo, dop, bop, bam, boo. All right. (laughs) It's a wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah. So uh, Beetlejuice is trying to suck Barbara mm-hmm. into the crystal. But uh, before he can, he is accosted by another spirit. The spirit of Lydia's mother, uh-huh. who exits from the cylinder, okay. who has been trapped in there the entire time. Somehow. So um, they start to have a ghost battle in this room where she flings like all of her art projects that she created in her life uh-huh. at him. Like like back and forth like she's getting hit with like circles of like bound dirt it seems like or and plaster and shit and he's fighting back i think maybe he's doing like some like sort of tornado shit or like like just lifting up floorboards and like chucking them at her and they're having this like epic really cool ghost battle but meanwhile this is happening barbara is able to do the third knock on the door and opens the door with Beetlejuice with Ghost Mom uh, having kind of the upper hand wielded with her scorn. She tackles him through the door. Gotcha. And that's all I got, really. Um, So that's kind of like how the epic battle ends. They won. (laughs) They won. Yeah, they won. They did it. They did it. I mean. There might be some. Like, so what's happened because of this movie? Adam is gone. Oh, okay. Which sucks. But maybe there could be something in the afterlife where they can, like, if they, the ghost science or whatever, maybe it's ghost Adam's science. soul that is, from maybe it's Adam. Go ahead. <laughs> no, what was that? Go ahead. From my heart and from my hands and why don't people understand my intentions? Ghost science. 
<laughs> so I think maybe Adam's spirit is gluing the two souls together and in the spirit realm in the ghost world they can like unglue it together it's ghost science yeah we've hit a point where but you could say anything and it'll, it would just make yeah. sense in this movie honestly um in the ghost world uh juno eats a bunch of hot dogs uh-huh. and then goes to the bathroom <laughs> and, and just then just, <laughs> just just they don't really they don't, she isn't really poop but they just kind of fall out of yeah all right you know <laughs> and this is what you got left we'll just move on to my pitch All right, but before we do, what are the sponsors for this week, Mike? Uh, this week is sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, could they get me um a copy of Curse of Strahd just for? I mean, they they, for... they definitely could. They're not yeah. going to, but they could. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's... true. I guess they have countless possibilities. So thanks to Wizards of the Coast for sponsoring us this week. <laughs> Oh, by the way, one more thing I want to touch on in my pitch. The reason why I went so detailed in the descriptions uh-huh. and what they look like is because I tried to separate, like, what if Beetlejuice was separated into two people and have the traits of two people? So Alex had green hair, was very pale. And then um, the grandpa, he was in a striped suit with a no, tie. No, yeah, I caught that. Yeah. And I, and I thought, like, combined with, like, the ghost white hair and the green hair, oh, yeah. it would, like... That's just what I was trying to do. Just to let the listeners know, I was thinking about some things. <laughs> uh, I like how this movie ends. It's like, they won, even though there is now a pile of the remaining flesh, composite flesh of two people in organs, whatever, just in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, you can buff that right out. Uh, I don't really have any notes for you. Uh, cool. I think ma- mainly because I barely understand what's happening in this movie myself. <laughs> Um, that's a fair assessment. I saw not, not a bad thing necessarily. I mean, I, yeah. I'm always in for just a buck wild time with movies like that, but I, uh, I got enough for you, man. Yeah. Let's do your pitch. All right. So uh, I told Madison this when we started, I cheated a little bit this week. He's a bad boy. Yeah. I started a, a, an idea for a pitch and I got halfway through writing out the plot, like the long form plot to present. And my idea was I was going to do, um, a reverse comedy of manners. You know, the movies where like, it's a usually British, very well-to-do family and the, the heir son or daughter whatever comes back with a lower class fiance or whatever. And it's just the, the very well-mannered family thinking that that person's not good enough. And then usually by the end it's revealed like, Oh, everybody was wrong. They're really cool. And like the dad of the family's always just cracking these really sick zing, like zingers. And everybody, you know what I'm talking about? What are some examples of movies that do that? Uh, there's the one on Netflix I watched as a little bit of research is called Easy Virtue. It's pretty new. It's new-ish. It's pretty good. It's got uh, Jessica Biel, Colin Firth, Jen oh. from the IT crowd. Oh, okay. Um, I like it. But anyway, so I took that idea and I did the reverse where uh, Lydia wants to get married, but she like physically can't because she's technically married to Beetlejuice. She has to go because he has died, and she has to go to his will reading to get like he won't give her a divorce unless she goes to the will reading, and so his oh whole God. family is basically Beetlejuice as a family. So they're really like gross and crude and rude, whatever. And the idea, I th- I still believe that idea is good, 
and that it can make a very funny movie. Me describing to you the plot of this reverse comedy of manners would not be funny at all. I got halfway through and I was like, it was like pulling teeth. I was shoveling shit uphill trying to get this done and also make it it interesting. Is it kind of like the professor to meet the clowns? I have never seen that movie. Uh, where every single member of the family is Eddie Murphy in different. That was like, not the case. Suits. It was Beetlejuice was actually secretly still alive, disguised in quotes as the butler, even though everybody could tell it was him. Okay. But I actually I cast the movie and everything, but I just it was not funny. It was not interesting. It was like a, I was in pain trying to get it done. So I scrapped everything and I I went back to the drawing room board and I just was like, what's a th-? like Beetlejuice? And I I settled. You, you brought it up earlier. Showtime. Showtime. That's a TV channel, isn't it? So I just went looking for other TV channels. <laughs> and I settled on an idea that I really liked. Okay. And mine is called Beetlejuice 2 MTV. And okay. I copied... <laughs> the way I cheated was I found a very detailed Whoa. plot synopsis of an episode of Jersey Shore that I wrote Beetlejuice into. Oh my god. What? Yeah. Okay. I really like how you took like his catchphrase "Showtime," yeah. and you're like, "Oh, you mean like the TV channel yeah. that has weeds?" Yeah, I thought you would be proud of me because you're the one who got watched Meet Dave, couldn't think of anything, and went, "I don't know, fuck it." The only way we'll make this movie is with a sponsorship. Let's make it about Wendy's. I thought you'd be proud of me for. I I am proud of you. I'm just disappointed in myself for the president that I have set. <laughs> Like, I want to be clear, I'm not, this isn't, this is very much a, this was a last resort, because at 10.30 last night, as we were recording this, was when I finally said, I can't do this pitch. And so, I, yes, I, I succumbed to the, the lure of, I found a very detailed plot synopsis of an episode of Jersey Shore and just wrote Beetlejuice into it. I'm, I'm actually still very proud of how this turned out, so I'm just going to get to it if that's all right. Oh boy, I'm so excited, mainly because, listeners... I watched some Jersey Shore, so I know I know all the right, characters. Good. I had to Google genders of some of the people just to be honest, just to be sure. But all right, so Beetlejuice Two, MTV. The gang still misses Vinny, who has gone back home to his mother. Nobody really misses the situation, who has disappeared because everybody ignored his birthday. <laughs> oh my God! A house meeting is called to discuss Beetlejuice's continuing habit of sneezing. <laughs> In the refrigerator. (laughs) Mike, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) I wrote that joke last night and I laughed so hard I started crying a little bit and I have not stopped laughing about it to this day. So he's sneezing in the refrigerator. Go on. So I'm just imagining Beetlejuice. Like, walks in the kitchen, opens the door, sneezes into the refrigerator, and then shuts the door and goes off the distance. Hold on, I need a second. Oh my god, I'm crying again. We're not even, that's like sentence number three of this pitch. Oh my god. Alright. A house meeting is called to discuss Beetlejuice's continuing habit of sneezing in the refrigerator. Later, the not-so-spectacular seven get a visitor. So it's not even that funny. Oh, man. Later, the not-so-spectacular seven get a visit from Danny, owner of the Shore Store and their boss, who is upset that he is short workers. (laughs) 
is upset that he has short workers and that those workers he does have are lazy and terrible. <laughs> okay. And use the t-shirts. <laughs> and Not useful audio at oh, all. I'm oh my so God. sorry. <laughs> Wait, read it. Read it like Alan Rickman. No, that's not going to help at all. Yeah, well, it'll definitely later help. Than, later than not so spectacular. Seven get a visit from Danny, owner of the shore store, and their boss, who is upset that he is short workers and that those he does have are lazy and terrible. <laughs> I've known about this for like a day and I still can't. <laughs> Lazy and terrible and use the t-shirts as toilet paper. <laughs> use the t-shirts as toilet paper before hanging them back up to be sold. <laughs> use the t-shirts as toilet paper before hanging them back up to be sold. He says to, quote, make room for roommates. Snooky doesn't want anyone coming in the house and fucking things up. But they use the tasteful at sign, asterisk, all that. Yeah. Uh, the situation, the situation then returns to the house and lets it be known that he is upset that everyone forgot his birthday. Snooky lets it be known that nobody forgot. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice lets it be known that he's filled all the cereal boxes with cockroaches because they don't get soggy in milk. Oh my god! The next day, Snooky and Dina and Vinny head to work. Snooky is extra motivated because she does not want new roommates. Vinny is shocked to see the extra effort, or any effort. Snooky and Dina then get temporary tattoos before heading home to find Beetlejuice, to find Beetlejuice picking his nose with his thumb and putting them in a pickle jar that he hides in his pocket when they show up. Dina calls Vinny to see if he wants to come to Polly's surprise birthday party. Vinny doesn't commit to anything. The ladies then take off to Karma, a club, to play in Polly's surprise party. They meet a creepy stripper wrangler who assures the woman that his employees aren't shy. Well, thank goodness for that. Some of the flavor on this is also just whoever wrote this review yeah. like, synopsis. Ronnie throws all the snakes Beetlejuice hid in her purse at him. The snakes are wearing Mouseketeer hats. What? I don't know. I was at some point I was also just doing weird dumb shit that I thought Beetlejuice would do, like because he had snakes. So I made it. I thought he'd fill the, her purse with snakes, did, and then I did. You have figured a, a little did you Beetlejuice have a fever when you when you wrote this? I don't think glass houses and all that, Madison. Yeah, yeah. The snakes are wearing Mouseketeer hats. Back at the house, Ronnie, the situation, and Beetlejuice head to work, and they're late, of course. So Danny puts up a help wanted sign. A string of young Shorians come to apply, infuriating Wow. She doesn't want a new roommate either, nor does Ronnie, who vows to make any new roomie feel terribly unwelcome and uncomfortable. Beetlejuice agrees, vaguely referencing something he's done in, quote, my private stink room. Oh my god. Snooky and Dina, in the meantime, head to the store to buy party balloons and bunny suits. Not Playboy bunnies, but giant Easter bunnies. But also a Playboy bunny suit for Beetlejuice since he requested it. Yeah, of course. Hours later, the gang heads to Karma, and Polly and the situation are shocked to find all their friends waiting. So it's a dual party. Polly gets a breast-shaped cake, and the situation gets a buttocks-shaped cake. I feel really nice right now that the girls playing this great party, the situation says. 
Soon the strippers show up and handcuff the birthday boys to their chairs. A pair of busty ladies then burst out of the two giant cakes and start grinding. This is the best day of my life, Polly tells the camera. Beetlejuice is seen in his Playboy Bunny outfit grinding on the creepy stripper wrangler. Oh, God. Sometime later, Polly meets and quickly starts making out with a cute brunette. Naturally, he wants to show her his birthday suit. She agrees. The situation, meanwhile, is making nice with his stripper. After last call, they all head back to the house. Things get weird when Ronnie begins to cry because she misses Vinny. I don't think he's coming back, Dina opines. A few minutes later, Polly escorts his new lady friend to a waiting cab after, quote, birthday sex. Beetlejuice does the same with the creepy stripper wrangler. The wrangler is now wearing the bunny ears, and their hair is styled like Beetlejuice's. <laughs> the next morning, the situation calls a cab and escorts the stripper outside. He doesn't remember her name. Dina then calls Ronnie's friend Joey and asks him to come to the club with her. He accepts. I have a date! Dina squeals. Snooky then puts on her bunny costume and leaps out of the bathroom to scare Wow. Beetlejuice turns into an enormous python and actually scares Wow, Like, fundamentally. Wow is now forever afraid of snakes and using the bathroom in general. Oh my God. She, she buys a bucket to keep in her room for when nature calls in the future. Uh-uh. Later, Gioni arrives with fresh flowers for Snooky, which Beetlejuice takes and starts eating like it's a chicken leg. <laughs> Snooky immediately takes Gioni to bed. The rest of the gang heads to Bamboo, where the drinks are flowing. The roommates aren't there for more than two minutes before they notice two women rolling around on the floor. But who are the chicks in the chick fight? It's Sweetheart, who I guess is a character on Jersey Shore. Okay. Seconds later, bouncers drag Sweetheart out of the club. She tells Ronnie that someone yanked her hair from behind. Quote, I got attacked by, like, a swarm of bitches, Sweetheart says. She is quite proud of herself for emerging relatively unscathed. But the night is effectively over, so everybody heads home as Beetlejuice sets the club on fire and leaves evidence to implicate Snooky. Oh my god. Dina gets under the covers with Joey, but her alarm clock keeps going off. Four times. Poor Dina, she can't catch a break. Or work a clock. The next morning, the situation says goodbye to Paula, who's slowly wearing down his defenses. I haven't found one bad thing about her yet, he exclaims. Ronnie catches Beetlejuice spooning a large shark in the shower. Polly then declares that everybody is going to Staten Island to get Vinny. I want him to feel welcome, so we're all going to make shirts with Vinny sayings on them, Polly explains. So they head to a t- the t-shirt store and make shirts saying Vinny all day and free Vinny. Beetlejuice picks <laughs> Jenny Weasley is greater than Vinny easily. Oh my god. <laughs> I was really proud of that one, to be honest. Uh, and it's a tight shirt. I guess, I guess technically that's the second time Jenny Weasley has showed up in the... In the... <laughs> that's true. In our, our canon. In our canon. But anyway, the roomies pile into the SUV and head to Vinny's abode. They barge into the house, run upstairs, and find Vinny waiting. Vinny appears to be very happy to see his friends in their shirts. He then shows off his t- new tattoo, Let Go, Let God, right across his chest. I have no idea what it means, Ronnie tells the camera, but it looks cool. And that's all that really matters, right? Beetlejuice reveals he has a full torso tattoo that's crumb from All Real Monsters. <laughs> but the eyes that he's holding are black with the white. The pupils mm-hmm. being white, because the pupils are his nipples. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, I understand. So I, I understand very visually what that tattoo is. <laughs> yeah. It's the mark of a good storyteller. <laughs> so after a week of recovering from anxiety, Vinny follows his roommates to the car. Bye, Vinny's mom, who begins to cry watching her son leave. Beetlejuice comforts her. 
She asks if he managed to bio-exercise any of the people from the house. He says no, but he'll keep at it before they start hardcore making out. I'm gonna get laid tonight, Vinny exclaims as the car pulls away from his home. The end. <sighs> so you have any notes for me, Madison? You know, somehow. <laughs> I also don't have anything really to add after your pitch, Mike. Um, besides, I think you should implement the weasel, aka Polly Shore, sure. somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. Just maybe it's MTV. I mean, um, and it's Jersey yeah, God. Show, so <laughs> I think Carson Daly should show up. That's more for the point. MTV's like shared universe Avengers style show. It's true. That was something. Also, like I know you're just reading some of these things, or you like you like implement it like Beetlejuice into a yeah. synapsis already, but. Man, Jersey Shore is just awful. Like, sexist. I apologize, one, to you, Madison, for the fact that in those first two paragraphs, there's probably not a single lick of usable audio because I could not stop laughing. And so, listener, I also then apologize to you that you're probably going to have to listen to an extended (laughs) point of me trying to get through a sentence about Bill just wiping his ass on a t-shirt. But the the sneezing into the refrigerator thing, I legitimately wrote that and then laughed for about five straight minutes. And throughout the, all of today, I've just thought about it and started cracking up. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. I think we did it. We did, we did something today. I don't know what we did, but we did it. If we printed this out, we'd have to bind it in human skin. Like, that's how fucked up what we've done is. Oh, yeah. You know what? You know what all the other pages in um, the book from hocus pocus is it's this it's our pitches the, yeah. our pitches yeah that and like the last you know three quarters of the yeah. necronomicon and ash vs. the evil dead yeah we destroyed li- we destroyed lives today all right madison jones tell the people where they can find us everybody can find us on itunes google play and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching the equalizers under the full podcast moon wherever you store your sandworms or your tiny miniatures of your tiny miniature houses where you keep your <laughs> you can also uh, get in contact with us on facebook and twitter at the equalizers gmail equalizers at gmail.com our instagram is the underscore equalizers where we post uh, teasers every week for the new episode and god save you if you figured this one out somehow Special thanks for our theme. Go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. Be awesome if you'd review and subscribe. Uh, that's all yeah. we'll say about it. Maybe we might be might not be hoping a lot for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Just why don't we just all kind of agree to let this one go by, and and then review and subscribe based on the rest of our all work. we can ask is don't ask people to not subscribe to us please don't, p- don't please don't tell people to hate us yeah and if people ask like what's a good episode to jump in on don't say this one totally do me dave too yeah or license to meh or the losing mcguire movie too who done it all right so for the equalizers i'm madison jones i'm mike Knoll. here comes that mayo to be continued